0: Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm very pleased to have TG Campbell back with me today. Hi, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I'm TG Campbell and I write like crime fiction
1: and my books are about the Bowership Society, so it's a group of amateur detectives who operate in Victorian London. Um, each member of society has got a normal job in addition to being a detective. So, you've got a, a doctor, an architect, an illusionist, and they use their skills and knowledge from the ordinary jobs to solve the different cases that the society gets asked to look into. And the scientist clerk, Miss Becca Trent, is the one responsible for assigning members and to start and basically discipline members, just basically just make sure everything runs smoothly. Awesome. And yeah. you have a new account, I believe. <laughs> Yes, so this is uh, the case of the Pugilis Ploy, which is the sixth book in the series. Um, and But yes, it comes out today, the 5th of December. It's taken literally all year to write, um, but I'm quite pleased of it. But yeah, so it's, it's all with this one because each book tends to have a theme. So the last book was sort of very much around the society and um, one of the members in the society, but this one is all about boxing. So it's all about gloved um, boxing as well as bare knuckle and sort of the time when. It was trying to got one group trying to like sort of stick to the old ways of doing bare knuckle boxing and the old other group trying to sort of do the more respectable kind of the queensberry rules and trying to really you know, make it more of a art form rather than a brutal blood sport so it was really interesting sort of research but um, yeah so basically the main mystery centers around that as well as you've got sort of the um throughout the whole series you have like other plots going throughout the whole series so they, they continue and expand and develop that's why, why it ends up sort of taking so long to write this one <laughs>
0: And uh, how did you go about researching that? I imagine that was quite tough because you set them, um, you know, back in time. So is there a lot of information about boxing in that sort of era?
1: Um, so when I, because I'd already decided a couple of my characters were going to be sort of former bare knuckle boxers, so I'd already done a little bit of research. Um, I read um, Peter Lovesy's, um second Sergeant Crib book, The Detective for Silk Drawers, which was really good. I think it was published in the 1970s, but it was actually recommended by an essay that I'd found about the decline of boxing in the Victorian era and it recommended it being like, a very well-researched fiction book. So I'd already looked in sort of generally um, sort of other sources from the time, but that book, Pete Love's book, really sort of helped bring it all together in terms of more of a, an actual context of a story. Um, and then I found um, Billy Edwards' Art of Boxing, which is a training manual that was originally published in 1888, I think it was. So he was actually um, a really prolific boxer at the time. Um, he used to do bare knuckle but he then made transition over to glove boxing so his very much is a manual um, on how to train what diet to have what to um, how to stand what kind of equipment to use We also had the list of the different rules in the back of the um, book because at that time so I sort of think um, bare knuckle still sort of to a certain degree was being fought in america so you had the american rules whereas the queen's rules and the prize fight rules so that was really interesting so that was actually quite a lot of information um from the era about <laughs> boxing um i also have uh, um, somebody at work who was a former boxer so he read it as well and to give it a feedback so that's handy
0: but yeah <laughs> <That's> awesome <laughs> wow
1: yeah so, there was
0: so much information yeah it's yeah it's really interesting yeah um and um is this a completely new character again then um from like the previous five? So in terms of who's sort of
1: um, brought into this one, um, so, well, so Miss Trent's always in it. Um you have sort of um sort of particular characters always tend to be reoccurring. So you've got like, Mr. Snyder's the cabman, Miss Dexter's the artist, and Jason Maxwell's the journalist. So they're in it. Um, but I have so when like the first like three or four books I sort of introduced new characters. Um, I book five, book six. I sort of revisited old characters, um, because it's just, I think it's there's so much going on with their lives and everything. I think if you keep introducing new people, it gets a bit like a bit confusing. <laughs> um, people have said that there's obviously quite a lot of characters, but quite a lot of members because uh, you don't have the same members each time. It depends on what the case. Is. It depends on who gets called in, so it does change. So there's like, over, over about fifteen members that the reader knows about. So wow. I I've recently released um. The ebook of the character guide that I gave out I think you got a copy of that didn't you that because it was okay about the book of the feature I mean, but yeah so people think they find that quite useful um that's the character based on the website but the actual guide has the police characters in there which is not on the website so um but it's yeah, so in this book you've sort of got the main sort of three characters but you also have like a Mr Skinner who's actually he's a former cow- former member who's also been recruited in other books but he is he has some bare knuckle boxing experience um, from me, he's been in the Navy. So he actually currently now works as a personal bodyguard, but he lost his hand in the Navy. Um, but he goes undercover at like the boxing club. So I thought that'd be quite interesting, you know, one-handed guy going into the boxing club and he's like, you know, I want to you know, <laughs> learn how to box. Because it was also not just about the actual boxing, it was also about staying fit, how to like, keep yourself, like, stamina up and your breathing, all that sort of stuff. Um, so it was really interesting to sort of um, to put him in that position. But also there's... Um, Polly Hicks, who's a barmaid, she hasn't really been involved in the main book. So she's completed a couple of the um, sort of stories as like an investigating member. But this is the first time she's actually had a full-blown part in this um, because the two factions are basically centered around pubs. So you've got one pub has the illegal barnacle box in, in the basement and then the other pub has this full-on Full blown gym with proper ring and it's all like very posh and everything. So, but it's, so it's a two-faction centered around those two establishments, really. So it was quite good to also sort of explore the class rift as well, because bare Knuckle was still very much working class and glove boxing was like the gentleman's sport, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's right, <own>, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's still, it's still the same essential culture. It's still, it's, it was, just, it was fascinating to, to, research and to sort of explore that dedication to the sport and not just about it just the two blokes fight each other it's also about like the skill and the art form and the manly sport and they kept saying um you know so <laughs> the last on the language is quite it's quite funny um the way somebody you know just described some of the fighters in the the, the illustrated um manual was quite funny but um <laughs> but it is just that culture and it's a part of belonging and it's all the slang used and um and it's just, it was just really fascinating just to explore that
0: in the Victorian setting. Yeah, it sounds like it was a lot of fun to write, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was definitely. And also, it's quite a, a bit of a removal because in the second book, which uh, Loads of Lusciousness, that was in around department stores. there had a lot of women in it. Whereas this one, it's all men, loads of men, all the male characters started to come in and they all, like, you know, very much have sort of their um, input. But one of my readers said they found it quite refreshing that actually have a book that's sent a bit more masculine. Sort of like mystery. Um, because the first one was quite emotional with the, the content about that, that, that one, uh, because I sent it sent around with the main, main members, but it was very, very emotional, very intense. So it's a bit of a refreshing departure, really, just to have something a bit less sort of, yeah. So less female input and more testosterone, basically. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, do you find it hard to switch between the voices of the characters? Because usually when you write a series, you sort of get to know the characters better each book and yeah you know, they're yeah. in your head but if you're writing from a different viewpoint is it hard to switch
1: um I mean, I think some people might say they might find difficult to write like male characters female characters but I don't, don't have that problem um because the characters have written for, some, for them for so long I do I'm probably quite easy to write for them but for me it's when it comes to challenging them as a character put them in a situation that you have to make an ultimate decision of what would what would they do that is, it's could take me a bit of a while to sort of think well because sometimes I'll just I'll do one way and I think no no they wouldn't do that because their principles and everything because they have to keep rewriting re- re- it but sometimes one of my car- favorite characters inspector Conway but he's sometimes very guarded so sometimes it feels like I try to get out of him what he actually is thinking and feeling sometimes. It's a bit <laughs> like trying to get blood from a stone. But at the same time, I've also got to try and, just, you know, he's not very forthcoming with his emotions and what he's thinking. But at the same time, I need to know what he's thinking. But even now I find it difficult to actually get in under his skin. Um, but he's, he's one of the most well pop, popular characters in the series, but. I think it depends how often your characters also appear in the books i do have some minor members who only have appeared a handful of times or if just once in the main books um but then i do have also characters who lives aren't having got dramas in they're quite happy happy married they've got a nice job they're quite happy they're quite comfortable so as much as i would like to include them a bit more sometimes it's a bit difficult to get their conflict because they haven't really got any conflict but i do think it's important to have that that contrast between the characters have a bit more hectic lives and a bit more drama, and the ones that are just quite happy, just live a quiet life, basically. So
0: yeah. Um, so you've got to book six, is that the end, or have you got those more to, in mind to do? So for the
1: current run of the series, I've I've planned up to book 10. So I've got another four books to go. Um, but in um this book. Um, obviously that was the last book uh, Miss Dexter sort of revealed that she's going to go to Paris um, in the new year because the time moves forward to reach books even though we're in book six it's only just going into eight ninety seven. so all the books one to five will happen at eight, nine, six. Um, so there's not really a lot of time in terms of the books themselves but um, but so what I want to do is I do want to spin off with her time in Paris but do more of a novella um, because there's so many different members you can technically do just standalones with them and what they're doing away from the society because they, they all have lives or jobs um, but it also it gives me opportunity to explore different genres because one of the characters members is a spiritualist and retired schoolmaster but he's also a member of the ghost hunters club which was a thing in victorian london so I've, I've, i like the idea of maybe doing like a small like you know gothic ghost story with him but then you've also got like a mark like a gentleman thief and he's also an illusionist, so got the option of possibly doing a bit of an action thriller with him as his standalone. So it's not just doing crime fiction, but also just playing around different genres within that sort of spin-off sort of setting, really. Um, but at the moment, the main series and the main plot is only going up to book 10. Because I think it has to get to a point where you have to sort of tie a thing up and you can't go on forever, basically. Um, so I know basically what's gonna happen by book 10, but of all things as you go through these things if things change, characters do things that you don't them to do and then you have to sort of go around the houses a bit and also people throw curveballs and you're like okay, and then you have to get the point where you think well I have to do that because that would be naturally what the cats would do so then you people well, hadn't planned for that but okay we'll go along with
0: it we'll see how this goes <laughs> <laughs> So you get to book 10 and they're like but I'm not finished, I've got more to say so are you open to carrying on if they're if you're uh, or you definitely that's it at the end of book 10 that's they're they're done for now um I I don't well what I want to do is make
1: sure all the sort of plots are, are nice tied up by end of the book 10 so that if I don't ever go back to it you don't feel as though oh well I didn't know what happened to that or what happened to this person you know uh, but if I did carry on I could then start off fresh. Um, uh, but at the moment I think I'm enjoying the world too much. And you do end up, you know, when you're writing you know, I'm sort of thinking you'll find this as well. It's like you get to get immersed in the world and you just feel at home there and you get to know you, you, these characters come like real people. So the thought of like just going bye bye, just you know, is almost like mourning people who never existed, but at the same time you feel like they're your closest friends. So I can never say never really. Um but I also I was, I do I say with like um sort of spin offs also it's it's I like the idea of going forward in time so like maybe after the, second, the first world war sort of as maybe 1920 and just see well what is some of the characters will still be alive um because they're still quite they're quite young in the series it'd be interesting to see like what they're doing further down the line rather than just continue just the, this, the main series so that's another idea you know it's just various sort of things but um exactly. well. I don't at the moment. Not everybody's going to survive the made this this run of books. Um, I think it's inevitable. But um, I think at the moment, um, at the moment, I've just got planned to book ten. So I think I'm just going to basically see how I feel about it and where things stand by the end of book ten, and how different it looks to the plan I've got at the
0: moment, basically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 1920s would be such a cool time to write about as well. Like the Victorian era yeah. is awesome, and the 1920s is the next cool era isn't it you know yeah. where there's a lot
1: happening and change and yeah and I think like because Miss Tread will still be reasonable at age at that point but I also think she very much would enjoy the 1920s and she would embrace the cultural shift and everything and she would very much be like there in amongst it all um, <laughs> some of the older characters would have been ancient by then um, if not you know not around anymore but I think it would be interesting to see how the war also would have impacted people's lives and whether they would have signed up and if they had signed up, why well, didn't they sign up if they survived the war? But how that left them and stuff. So I think it would be very yeah, I just think it's generally just would be a good um, era to sort of to delve into with the same characters, but you just just completely change because it's a bit more liberal, isn't it? With the 1920s, a bit more you know, flappers and that sort of things. So I think some of the characters would be like, okay, oh, no, it's a bit too much for me. But um <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's um I think it would be interesting. Uh, who's your favourite character to write? <laughs> so, I thought I mention it. Inspector is one of my favourite police characters to write because he, even though he on the surface he seems quite simple, he just he's he's married to his job. Basically, he just you know, but he's very complex. A lot of quite la- different layers um, underneath that, and he's so pivotal to the main plot that he's run throughout the whole series. And also, he's got sort of um, split loyalty really between like society and the police and the whole culture of the police at the time. But within the actual society itself, I think, out of those members, I think it's probably Mr Locke, who is the illusionist master thief. Because again, I mean, at the moment, he's not really been in it much because he's battling with a heroin addiction, but uh, but again, that's sort of, it's again, it's somebody who's infallible, uh, infallible, sorry, somebody who's so, like, he's not perfect, he's not like, you know, he's quite smart when he's with it, but at the moment, he's not quite with it. But um. Again, I think he's got he's getting one of those characters who it seems quite simple on the surface, but it's got quite so many different layers and motivations beneath. And also, I quite enjoy exploring his marriage to his wife, Dr. Locke, and how that is developed and how that will, we we'll just see how that goes once he recovers from his her addiction. Because at the moment, she's putting through a rehabilitation program that was created at the time for a American do- do- doctor about how to go through rehabilitation or her open addiction. So, because um, originally his wife was supplying him with the heroin, in, in, in the effort to try to hopefully wean him off it, but then he basically relapsed and went to an opium den. So uh, basically, so she's had to um yeah start a square one. But yeah, so it'd be interesting. Obviously, that the the conflict and the tension that's created between the two of them, because um, he was also a bit of a, a ladies man, shall we say, before that. <laughs> so it's um <laughs> mm-hmm. so but yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see the, how he sort of enters a bit more back into the fold of society and sort of emerges back into his former life really and see how that evolves I mean, but yeah he is, out well, yeah, of the members he's my favourite
0: character And how do you keep up with them all do you have notes or are they all in your head
1: um, I have each character I always get, when I first create a character I get a character profile which has got name, like description, marital status I always have the date of birth uh, their parents were, um, that sort of thing and then what I will tend to do is um, because they've quite a key thing. I'll then just update the character profile. just use that to refer back to. Uh, but mostly, it's just in my head. So I also, I've also got the books to refer back to. If I can't remember in particular detail, it said something in particular. Um, but and also because I've um, been working on the audio book or well, the first one, I did more detailed character profiles for um, the voice actors. So that's also helped me sort of direct a bit further beyond sort of the, the, what I've done for the books. Um, I think yeah because I've got so many cats, so many members I think I do need to keep something <laughs> otherwise I just
0: <laughs> yeah that's what I wanted yeah keep, <laughs> keep
1: track of them all yeah but so the minor ones they haven't really had that much input since they haven't really been in the books that much so they haven't really got a lot going on but yeah the ones it's like with the bodyguards like remember which of his hands is the one it is lost because that'd be really embarrassing. Oh, but here was your left hand in the last book. It's under <laughs> your right hand. Have <laughs> you lost both of them?
0: <laughs> you know, so yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I think um, Mark Billingham said um, that one of his characters their eye color changed by book five or something because he doesn't make any notes about his characters and someone's like, for yeah. sure it was a different color in his. <laughs> <like>, <laughs>
1: Well, you know, you do say your eye colour can change as you get older, so that'll be an excuse. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, I suppose uh, within reason. If you're changing from, like, brown to blue or something,
1: then, you know, perhaps not. Yeah, but, yeah, I suppose. But well, Then how many people we pay that much attention to character's eye colour, I suppose.
0: Something, something you could get away there with, will, I think. Yeah, there will be one person out of all the Oh, people, there was, there yeah, there was that one, one person. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how did you choose character names? I always what
1: I tend to do is I go onto behindthename.com and it's got a, right, a tool called the random renamer, and you put in like the the um what's the word, the nationality of your the character that you want to do To have like all the characters, but also have like you put some biblical or mythical mythological or like you got Wicca and the more sort of out there ones. Um and then you sort of say if it's masculine, feminine, or like um Neva, and then you just put you want to surname it because a random surname and then it just gives you an option it just literally just generates a name. And I go, mm, no, no, that no, like no one. And then you can like, if you just like the surname, you just put a surname in and then it gives you just first names. Um and that's basically how all the characters were given wow. their names pretty much. Um with a couple of exceptions. So um but Bert, Mr. Bertram Heath he was called Bertram after at Bertram's hotel of Christie. So um quite like that. Um also thought the fact that because originally Mr Locke because he he likes picking locks. I thought that's quite funny if it were pun there. <laughs> Mister Knight likes um, picking locks. Um, and then just other people's names. Just it's it's just names that I like as well. So like, expect um, to Caleb. Wolfballs like the name Caleb. So you know, he gets excuses about to use these you know these names. But also generally, like If I read a name in a book, I think, what's oh, a nice name. Would make a note of that you know but it's up sometimes you do find yourself I think at one point out because I did do a character like database and I realized I'd use Michael three times so mm, maybe <laughs> not use <using> Michael anymore
0: <laughs> yeah everyone has names I think that they automatically go back to and uh, no one really knows why yeah
1: I think also when I've got like the members and i then got the suspects of the book as well I've got to be careful about having Names that sound similar in the same book because then it's just like, okay, that's just really confusing. Or even like try to avoid having names with the same letter because even then it could be really confusing.
0: Yeah,
1: so, but also, I mean, it just happened by coincidence, really, that um, Mr. Locke and Dr. Weeks were both got the first same first name, so they're both called Percy, but um, <laughs> like Mr. Locke will always say his name is Percival and Dr. Weeks like it's Percy, but yeah, they always call Weeks Weeks rather than by his first name, but yeah, that was just. Oh, a coincidence, really.
0: Yeah, I know. Like, you know, in real life, people have the same name. You know, I mean, I know so yeah. many Johns and so many Daves and yeah. stuff, but obviously, in books, it, you know, you do have to. But, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> in real life, people would have the same name. So, yeah,
1: I think it's easier in a Victorian setting. So, unless you knew somebody quite well, you would use their title and their surname. You wouldn't be like, oh, Percy, you know, like, which Percy, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's quite handy there just to call him Mr. Locke or, you know, Dr. Wicks yeah. or just
0: that Canadian or, yeah, the Toff. you know, so. <laughs> yeah, I've got, um, I saw a really cool name in passing. I can't remember where, but I saved it because I'm like, that is such a cool name. I've got to use that somewhere. It's, um, yeah, so yeah. when I go through my notes in my phone, I've just got this random name. Was <laughs> <What's>
1: that when <laughs> I was reading um, uh, Five Little Pigs by Christy? It's like, oh, Amius. I like that name so I'm now using the name Ammius in this book I'm like I like the name <laughs> <laughs> Uh
0: Do any of your characters have traits of your personality or of anyone you know?
1: I think with Dexter um, I think it's sort of I sort of tried to put a bit of like how I can be a bit shy around certain people and a bit not as or like forthcoming I think um, so I've, worked, I've done different jobs in the past. I'm a bit more sort of self-contained where I am now. Because I'm an receptionist at uh, an automotive company, so you have to be. But I think before I was a bit a little more bit t- more timid. So I think that was when I created her. It was just trying to channel that really into her as a character. Um, and I think I think other things people um, so like um, her father. I said took it took like inspiration from some of my family members for him sort of little traits like the way he sort of looks like over his glasses and you know and <laughs> what their priorities are that sort of thing um but I just try, try to, I think I think I think you always have a little bit of you in every character you create abuse conscious or not, not um but I well I think also what I was trying to do with your characters was try to make them as different as possible so when you do have them more than one meeting room say because they have like meetings that it's not just the, just a carbon copy of each character um, but also sometimes it's interesting to have like similar traits so you've got miss webster who's quite black and white um quite sort of like um she's quite confident outspoken and then you've got mr elliot who's also a bit black and white and quite outspoken so then just don't like each other because it's too similar they just remind each other too much of you know and they'll quite often will have discussions and arguments about points and you know she, she'll sort of she'll call him out if she thinks that he's being condescending or if he thinks she's, he's being a bit, like, you know, sexist <laughs> or anything, you know, and so, and he's at the same time, you know, he'll sort of call her out if she thinks that she's being a bit unreasonable. So, um, it is interesting, yeah, to have those different... Co- it's basically, because in the society, normally, those different people necessarily wouldn't have like, encountered each other because of different classes and different positions and different walks of life, but because they've all come together in this common... um. You know aim of trying to give justice to anybody they have to basically they're forced to basically work together and so quite some quite often miss has to be the voice of reason and literally have to shout over them like enough let's move on." <laughs> <laughs> we've discussed this plenty thank you very much yeah <laughs> you know so she's very much yeah the voice of reason well the voice of reason is also the voice of the person has to discipline them sometimes as well so just tell them just to you we know, respect your opinion but we don't need to hear it so
0: let's carry on <laughs> Um, writing about those times obviously you've got no um, technology and anything which must make Mm. it easier but is there anything that makes it harder um, when you're writing in Victorian era
1: I think for me it's actually it's I could say there's no technology but there was some technology it's knowing where the line is of between modern day and before and not missing stuff out because you assume they wouldn't have that so when I was doing research, I discovered that for a short term in 1897, they had electric taxis. So it's stuff like that. They think, oh, I can include that. Uh, but also like stuff like that when they detect poisons, it's what kind of tests they would use. So you can't just assume that they couldn't detect poisons at all. Um, and also a lot of time it's the emerging um, sciences, which the question is always, could they use that in court? So, yeah, they could use it and they could invest the case with it, but if they can't admit it against evidence of court, then what use really is there for it, if you do that sense and dark? Uh, because everything they do, they have to give the police to the police. Um, I think ultimately, as well, as like the most difficult thing is trying to put yourself in the position of people that you wouldn't necessarily have maybe like um in a world where well, you haven't really mixed of yourself, really. So, in the box, then you know. I've really been fascinated by the world of boxing and the language of boxing, and the culture of boxing, but I don't watch a lot of boxing myself, ironically. So it's like trying to put yourself <laughs> in that sort of world. And I was very conscious, I didn't want to, it was about boxing, but I don't want to put too much boxing. I didn't want to have pages and pages of boxing because it's great for the fans, but it was like, okay, yeah, I've seen him punching five times, you know. So it can be <laughs> difficult. And that's but also is that it's difficult to put that in yourself in the in that world in modern times, but then they have to rewind it back to 1896. It can also be what's tricky. But um, I've been really lucky um, in this book. I had the assistance of a local historian and author, Pam Mills, who recently wrote and um, released a book about policing in Tunbridge and Kent. So, Miss Trent originally is from Kent and Tunbridge, um, and basically, Pam helped me with um the police at uh, the, the police station told me basically what, what was it was like at Tunbridge at the time there's a lot of building works going on so when like Inspector Wolf goes back to Tunbridge in his book to investigate Miss Trent's background he meets the constable from the newly formed detective branch so uh, at Ren's Cross and so like all that sort of stuff was great from for her to, to bring it all together and to make that sense of place really so moving beyond London um so to give you a bit more idea of actually there was police forces outside London, actually quite well established police forces. So, but I wouldn't have, I've never been to Tunbridge myself. So it was quite good to have her, somebody who lived in Tunbridge, knows literally by the back of her hand, give me like the sources, but also she was really like kind enough to then read what I'd write, written to then correct certain bits. And God, he wouldn't have come at like that like the police station, which I think is a small detail, but again, I like to think that people who live in Tumblr are like, oh I recognise that bit and oh yeah that's really good. And you know, and it's also places that don't exist anymore. Being able to sort of try to give an accurate description of them um whenever all you have maybe is just outside of the building. So it's you can, so that, that sense it can be quite difficult. I think that's what I find most difficult is actually putting yourself in places that in one world so you don't seem be to yourself or mixed with yourself but then in to then like recreate it in that setting.
0: Yeah. Um the um, guy that I was talking to earlier today writes in um Oh 19 no. 19- So I got I, sorry, I've got my password survived. <laughs> oh, that's fine, I'll just pause. Okay. Well. Say about that? <laughs> I can't even remember what. Um, I've completely gone blank about, about what we're talking about. Uh,
1: you're trying to bit, say something about? We're talking about places. Of what we find most difficult? To,
0: yeah. Oh, Trevor. Yeah, I've said, yeah, um, yeah. He's writing. I think I can't remember. If he said it, it was one in the 1920s or one in 1939. But yeah, he um either I think he wrote autopsy and he said that they wouldn't have used that term back in the 1920s or whenever it was and then something else so it's funny little things isn't it that you wouldn't expect to to be sort of caught out on yeah I
1: mean it is yeah it's really good um, what I found like on the internet is quite a lot of places that have actually reprinted old books so I do have a reprinted version of a textbook from 1877 about how to create to do a post-mortem um, and so you, you can use that sort of thing to like get the language right, because it's obviously uses that, you has got an actual example from the era of actually what they would have used. But that talks about the tools, how to prepare for your, you know, the post-mortem and what to look out for and everything. So that's that's really handy. But yeah, it is, like I say, there's small like little terms that, um, if I'm not sure about a slang term, I'll just look it up. And so a couple of like, dictionaries, um, again, one's a reprint, but one's an actual 1894 edition of, um, brewer's dictionary wow. phrase so that's pretty yeah i've got oxfam's great for that oxfam's antiquarian book section if on the website i could spend a fortune on there and a half but um yeah so, <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah so if, you, so if you can like because you buy stuff from there because i mean not those books they're not in the greatest quality but for me it's not what they look like it's what they've got in them so yeah um so use that at queen's london which is published in 1896, there's pictures of different parts of London, so that's really good, tells you a bit of facts about the different locations, um, and also the London Archive has got really good um, interiors as well, some buildings that they took pictures of in the 1950s and 60s and 70s before they were demolished and stuff, so that's really good to use like, as reference. But um, what actually was really lucky on this one as well was I... Contacted the curator at the Royal British Architects. And oh, so wow. she actually sent me photographs of the original floor plans of Scotland Yard, of wow. the gra- ground floor and the first floor of Scotland Yard. So when my character's is moving through the yard, it's what he sees is actually what would have been there in you know, 1896. So that's, I like that. That's what I love doing those sort of things. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's awesome somehow being an author opens some doors doesn't it to get to yeah. see cool stuff and that well
1: oh. <laughs> yeah i mean i would like i think once i've done this book 10 i would like to do something like a non-fiction like both sides of london which has like the you know floor plans these pictures that i use um also description a bit more about detail of the fictional places that i've created as well so you get more of an idea of actually the actual london that was around in that time so it's not just you, know, she, she, you get basic, it's the visuals really as well as just the descriptions of you so
0: yeah I think people would love that I'd love that people seem to really enjoy learning about the places behind the books um, yeah. so yeah I think I think that would be awesome
1: Yeah, it's, uh, my, my friend too was um, born and raised in London and she's read the books and she's like I, even I didn't know some of the bits that you come out with it's like you know that's what's good you get people who live in London all their life and still discover things they didn't know about it um I think, yeah, it can be really good to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Are you a visual writer? Do you see the um, story playing out in your head? Um, Yes. You do.
1: Yeah, I also sometimes get smells as well. So, like Mr Locke, whenever I write Mr Locke, I always smell fresh cotton. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) But, yes, fresh cotton with Mr Locke, and whereas with Inspector Conway, it's a bit of a musty smell. <laughs> and I don't. I honestly don't know why it's. I get that it's not with every character. It's not always with every like scene, but um, it's just it just gets that sort of whiff of yeah. It's it's weird how your mind works, but yeah, it's it very is. much it's very much on <laughs> visuals, and um, that's why I like the floor plans because I like to if I can sort of have their you know their their root and their locations sort or of, as accurate as possible. But it does help me visualize you know how far it is to the office um it was upstairs it's upstairs, upstairs downstairs um and also you know using the maps I like use the maps from the time as well so again to get an idea of you know how far away things were and also um, you know the class of people as well so it's yeah I'm just like get into the detail based just
0: all the detail <laughs> i guess it's a silly question but would you like to see your books made into a tv series if people
1: keep, yeah people have said to me they think it would make a really good TV series um but I would yeah I would love that it' be amazing to have yeah the British society made into a TV series
0: yeah because
1: it's, yeah. <laughs> it, it's Victorian though it would be quite expensive to make but um but um my sis, last Christmas sister bought me a um script writing course from the guy who wrote line um line of G. Oh yeah, Jed so Mercurio. a curio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a BBC Maestro course, and it's like you could access it whenever you want, basically. But it goes from idea to pitch. So I've, wow. I've, I, will, I will be looking at that at some point. But I have I've tried writing scripts in the past, but I can't. You, you just fall into sort of more of a when you are sort of you know a novel writer, you just get obsessed with the detail. And obviously, with script writing, it's more visual, and you've got to sort of step back a bit more and just let like the dialogue be be more of the the star really, but I think we should see if I could actually adapt something. Well, it probably still needs somebody else who knows a bit more about it than I, than I do to come over. But I should know you should do this, this, this. this.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's um, really nice of your sister as well, isn't it? What a sweet thing to, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, have you cast your characters? Do you have any idea? I know everyone well, hates that question. <laughs> well, by the
1: first... book book trailer which is live action so I did did actually film a scene in the parlour of the local museum for the opening bit of that trailer so I had so uh, Miss Trent was played by Sabrina Paul so she's basically become like the face of Miss Trent now so she um she's actually doing the um voice acting on the audio book for Miss Trent and all the other female characters um Mm -hmm. so I think she would have to be Miss Trent there's no you know sort of denying that really and then um Phil Rowe, who's doing the voice acting of the other characters, he's read the books and he loves. He says, "Like, if you make a TV, he says I want to be Inspector Conway." So <laughs> <laughs> he's basically just like, yeah, he's basically recruited, you know, auditioned himself basically.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> but it seems like the characters who I had in mind to possibly play characters when I was like writing the books, I think it would be too old by the time if it ever got round to that, really. So, but other than that, I think it just, you know it's just whoever they think would be the best person, I suppose. But I think, yeah, it's Sabrina and Phil would have to be in there somewhere because they're basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because
0: they've told you. cast yeah. themselves, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's two sorted, so that's fine.
1: Yeah, it was interesting because when I was trying to cast a Cat, Doctor, Doctor which is Canadian, um, I had I tried to um, audition several people, like English people, American people, and nobody could, if I felt, could, like, do a convincing Canadian accent other than a Canadian. So I had so. Jaden is an natu- natural born Canadian, so he's literally just playing Dr. Weeks, but um, it's actually such a difference because it's such, you think, oh, Canadian American acts are quite similar, but they've got subtle differences, which if you're Canadian or if you're American, you could spot a mile off, basically. So I thought it was important to actually make
0: sure that.
1: So yes, yeah, so if I had a main team I think I'd have to make sure, make a point, say, no, we need an actual Canadian playing a Canadian.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, there's plenty of them about, so I'm sure they could find someone. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, well, yeah
0: yeah you'd, you'd
1: think so anyway but yeah
0: yeah would you be having a little cameo would you be having a little sneak on not even no. a Hitchcock <laughs> in the background just walking past or I would have some coffee old oh, dead body <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> could totally definitely the author <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> like albert hotchcock just like walking in the back here just like, promenading with my big hat in the background <laughs> yeah You've got it. it's cool. Oh, you know, it's a funny oh, film. <laughs> oh, just, just like walk on sets going, oh, my God, I can't believe it. This is, this is the parlor. Oh, my God, this is... And like, okay, can we need to film them now? No, no, they're just, they just stand to bask in it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> apparently, um, unless, I guess, you've adapted it yourself, they don't really let writers anywhere near the sets once they make them into films and stuff because apparently they're penny. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, yeah. no, that's not right, and that's not right. And the set people and the script writers, are like, seriously, leave it to us now.
1: <laughs> you can't yeah, get I,
0: over your job is done. Yeah, I think, you know, I think
1: definitely translating it into a series or a film is obviously a completely different process. And I think you'd have to take concessions because obviously you can't have everything in there. Um, and I think also, I'll be, personally, i would be interested to see how they would take it, how they would take the stories and the characters, and how they would, I think they would have to shift it around a bit in terms of making it a bit more of a because I think a TV series has been more, more fast-paced as well so I think you'd have to shift stuff around inevitably to make it that fast-paced sort of action or a bit more fast-paced plotline because um, even though the my mysteries happen quite quickly in like you know in terms of this, the time span in the books so I think with everything else going on I think people have to develop a bit more of a faster pace so when I would say I'll try to adapt it but I think ultimately it might end up just needing somebody else with a bit more expert eye to actually be able to sort of make that proper transition really but i think it'd just be interesting to see what
0: they would do with it yeah absolutely but yeah i do i think it'd be absolutely awesome to be a tv series not even a film i don't think it would work as a film i think it'd have to be tv series yeah tv series like ripper street or something yeah so Mm. exactly yeah it would be amazing oh they can make that they can afford to make that it's fine yeah go to amazon
1: (laughs) well i already already published through your kdp
0: scheme do you fancy making a tv series in the books (laughs) yeah please i'll bear it's fine (laughs) well you know don't ask don't get yeah exactly
1: they can't say no (laughs) yeah then they probably would or just ignore you but either way
0: you know we'll be lost (laughs) Who is this weirdo that's you know, keeps bugging us? <laughs> but
1: then you never know. They might still, don't. you know, we look at something new and fresh and different and a risk, <laughs> you know, a bit risky, but, yeah, but they might, you know, you never know. Don't ask. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, well, is it, what do they, it's like Bridgerton was yeah. written 10 odd years ago or more, yeah. and then it took, you know, a while, but that got made. So, you never know, is all I'll say. Yeah, they yeah. They might look at it when they decide suddenly they need a new Victorian-era drama. Oh, well, yeah, you uh, never know, yeah. Yeah. Um, what's uh, some of your best reads of this year, if you've had any time to read yourself? i <laughs> <laughs> I say,
1: um, say I've mostly been like, reading non-fiction stuff, to be honest, because of the book. But um, I think everything I've read for that, though, I think it probably is Billy Edwards' My training manual just because it's so the way his language and like the way he describes things and you know he's like even though you know we no longer can enjoy the manly sport of once it once was you know we are still trying to be you know (laughs) athletes and trying to make it respectable and you know and I think it was just fun this was funny how like we did the rules the the prize ring rules actually allow for police raid so if there's a police raid or a magistrate's intervention, you have to all basically beg it and then you have to reconvene in the most nearest spot and as soon as possible as you possibly can to continue the fight. So it's like, even in the rules, it's like...
0: My God. <laughs> it's like, it's
1: like, it's like oh, we, all wanna, we all basically want <clears throat> to beat the rubbish. <throat> you know... You know, an adult here, just fishing, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's just again sort of it's because he's obviously gone through that change of having the um the bare knuckle era and then Cham's changed it to like trying to make a career out of the gloved kind and trying to make it respectable and try to because it still wasn't illegal. Um and basically like people trying like so it's now trying to get it banned and um how it's always was a bit more going out of favour. But yes, I think that of all the books that I've read was probably yeah, the most interesting.
0: So then after your book that's out today, what's coming next for you? <laughs> book seven. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I mean, I, um,
1: I normally release a short story collection, um, but this year, um, due to sort of um, difficult personal circumstances, I've had to sort of put that in the back burner, really. So I will be working on some new short stories for that um, next year. But yeah start to revisit my master plot plan and um tweak that and Jeff's book seven. I also will want to do the first two spin-offs for um the the spin-off series basically as well so that'll be the next year but also the audio book for the first book um because that's quite a big project so that's again on the, the agenda really so um but also also the process of possibly setting up a twitch stream as well so going into the world of video mm. gaming, but with a crime and detective um, emphasis. So there's quite a lot of a like, point the click games, out. Like, it's a shark cone, Jack the game. game. Mm. Um, it's quite a really good community on there. So I think it'd be quite interesting to sort of have, sort of to bring all the knowledge that I've mm. um, acquired from my research into sort of, you know, onto a Twitch stream where you can like, you know, commentate basically on the, the settings and the accuracy of mm. these games. Um, but also sort of bring people into sort of, the realities of the uh, world, and uh, um, quite a few curators of different museums come on to give their like input, what was are reality to police, what was reality Japan, mm-hmm. um, so just another way to... Are you still
0: there? Yeah. all right <laughs> Yeah. phrase for a sec. Ugh. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that yeah. sounds so cool. The Twitch thing. Oh my god. Like, awesome.
1: Yeah, because I mean, I've I've got quite a few friends on there now. Because um, I'm, I'm a bit of a sick gamer. Really. I haven't got time to do the game anymore, but I've loved sort of survival horror games, Resident Evil, Silent <laughs> Hill. So it's quite a good community on there. So I've collected quite a few like um, streamers on there, like Matt RPD, <laughs> Doctor Best near McNighty and I've met up with them a couple of times uh, at the Insomnia Game Festival in Burnham. So I just think, you know, it's just a different way to just to, to access sort of the history and um because, you know, big video games very much are um, a lot more respected than they are than they used to be. And I think you know game developers are keen to sort of make things accurate or to like do their research so i think it'd be interesting just to dissect different games and how you know how the maybe current kind or of maybe uh, you know intended it but also um, those what yeah because i've got has got pc games like or murder on express and then there were none so again introducing people who might not have heard these authors which I, I'm as unbelievable as that may be, um, you know, <laughs> but through like PC games and obviously just be crime fiction in general and sort of dissecting how traditional crime fiction worked. And yeah, so that's that's going to be the aim. So I've got some of the equipment. I just need to now bring it all together and hopefully launch that in the new year. So,
0: wow, that's really exciting. That's very cool. <laughs>
1: yeah, so that'd be quite, yeah. yeah we'll see if I we'll could probably have technological issues probably every single stream, but we'll try. <laughs>
0: No, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, and
1: also because you know, for, hopefully with like the audio book as well, I could possibly get like Phil and Sabrina one at some point, and they could do sound bites and everything for the channel and stuff. So there's a lot of like possibilities really you can bring into it.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. It's quite interactive, anyway, isn't it? So yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and if you if you get like community <laughs> as well, you get yeah sort of you yeah, know friends <laughs> of life basically, you know, and get that interaction and rapport with people and it's just it's just have a good time but it's also an excuse to game as well basically <laughs> it's excuse to be a video game in, so you know I can't be a bad thing a bit of relaxation because yeah. obviously you can like you know when you're writing as you know you could quite a lonely sort of um, solitary sort of activities <laughs> so it's good to actually have a bit of downtime and have an excuse to have downtime because otherwise you feel a bit bad I should be writing I should be writing
0: yeah I know yeah, yeah. that's it isn't it you this sort of needs to not write but sometimes you're like, but I should be like, I've got this time. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, yeah, go mad. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um. What else? I was just going to ask you something else as well. I can't remember. Oh, are you going to go to any? Um, have you got any events next year? <laughs>
1: so uh, it's recently been announced that I'm on the historic fiction panel for the first UK Crime Book Club live event in Leeds in June. So I'll be on the stage there. So That'd be fun. Um <laughs> and then in July, I'm in Birmingham for the um Opera City event that was rescheduled from last year. So I'll be just doing my stall there um, with my books to sign, I think people to come and have a chat and everything. So I'm I've got a book, I've got a short story in there, an anthology for the Birmingham event, um, which I need to go back to revisit to basically. And that's, that should be out next year as well, the anthology for that. So basically, awesome. yeah, so that, but that, the apology obviously is, it's always based around Birmingham, so basically I've got Miss Trent going to Birmingham, being invited there by the Birmingham Bow Street Society, because it's about 32 Bow Streets in the UK, so technically they could <laughs> have 32 different franchises if they really wanted to.
0: You could be writing forever. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Well, obviously you were both of those. I um I'm going, I bought ticket number one for the UK Crime Book Club event because apparently well, I was this. really keen. Um, <laughs> and then I'm sponsoring the Birmingham one. Oh yeah, so, you are, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I sure I mean I kinda of have to be there really, I think. I think that's kind of the deal. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> That'd be really good, yeah. Because obviously you couldn't go to the Books of <laughs> the Beach last year, could you? Because the rail strikes. Yeah.
0: But yeah. But the one the Birds and the Beach 2024 is on my birthday, I think. So I'm going to try and go to that one. Oh yeah, oh, just yeah. have it. it's a birthday. Oh, have a free book. Oh, thank yeah, you very much. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you can't milk it, then you know what's the point? You know, big badge, <laughs> a lot of, of flash That is my birthday. A big
1: like birthday cake has. It's your birthday. No. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny because yeah, this next year will be my fortieth. So luckily it sort of skips that. And then, yeah, it's on my birthday. I'll be 41. So no one cares then anyway. It's fine. Oh, no, you've hey. still got to say, well, because you know, because you didn't have an
1: last year. I now need 41 free books rather than 40 free books. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's all very well, but I've got to get them home. <laughs> you could maybe post them to you.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. There's yeah. ways and means, ways and means.
0: Oh yeah, see, book lovers, we're all we're all oh, together, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: <laughs> um well I don't think I have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you that you want to tell us. No, mm-hmm. i think that's
1: everything. I think everything.
0: <laughs> and I guess you don't have a copy yet. <clears throat> if you're still waiting no not yeah not us.
1: but yeah not physical copy no because I had problems with the delivery of the proof mm. so um I'm hoping that's going to arrive today it's supposed to arrive today and I can then approve it but yeah how much you got physical copy on am so just just imagine like
0: if there's a got, picture I'll post a picture for you <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's got <laughs> boxes on
1: the front basically <laughs> fair
0: enough <laughs> I was just was like what's a pugilist and I'm like it's a boxer oh. yeah <laughs> I knew that I can't remember probably weirdly from I think eight out of ten cats or something or yeah. would I lie to you when they're talking about um the guy with a weird voice that had the monocle can't think of his name yeah I can't, I can't think of the name yeah yeah but yeah anyway him <laughs> and uh I think they they talked about him and oh said, Chris Eubank that's the one yeah yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the only reason I know. I love TV sometimes, just random things you pick up.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um so where can people buy the new book if they would like to? And where can they find out more about you if they'd like to? So the book's available
1: through Amazon. So the paperback should be available in the next few days, once you get the proof to approve it. Um, but the ebook's available currently, and um, from day, the, the 5th to the 7th of December, the fifth book, The Maxwell Murder, and the Bow Street Society Character Guide on free download to mark the release of the sixth book. Um, and if you want to find a bit more, you go to the official website, which is bowstreetsociety.com. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, as Bow Street Society, um, and... Yeah, so I've got a newsletter, I guess I could say it comes out every month, so you can subscribe to that if you want. That's a free newsletter, which includes um, sort of serialised short stories, um, authentic Victorian recipes, slang word of the month, and other news and other
0: recommendations. Brilliant, <laughs> well thank you very much. Thank you, thank you for having me.